podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains, we're back again for our sins to talk about Aston Villa and I'm quite delighted that Paddy is here today. As <laughs> my wingman, as my trusted wingman. Do you know what Paddy, as, we, as the intro was coming on I said, Do you know what, I better put up on Twitter that Paddy is here so that people will tune in. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how you're feeling or how you're doing because it's, uh, yeah, I, I think I can nearly fucking paraphrase what that is at the moment. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be <clears throat> ah look it look it is it is what it is it's just it's soul destroying at the moment we can't buy a bit of luck could have went ahead ball went out of play and that changes everything and again we go back to changing the game in the middle of the game changing tactics in the middle of the game costs us the game it's just it's just mind boggling what's going on I just can't get my head around it at all um. Douglas Louise plays one of his better games for the club. Takes him off. Yeah, I still can't get my head around that. And I watched it again today, and I still can't get my head around what the top process about mm. taking him off was. It was almost immediately they attacked the space he left behind. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's just my overriding emotion. That just, you know, I just slumped into the chair like like Gerard has done before <laughs> and no. just said, this, this, this is only one way this is going, you know. Um, it was the wrong decision. It should have been McGinn that came off. Um, yeah. if he if he had to make the change, um, I think I put it in our WhatsApp group at halftime. I'd snap your hand off for nil all here. Um, but no, in true form, we've we've made a, a decision to take a player off, and it's cost us the game. Um, and I, it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm, oof, yeah, uh. It, it had a big effect on the game. Even where Pablo Fernandes takes the shot from was exactly the spot that Douglas Luiz had been camped in or the, or in the second half. Himself yeah. and Camaro were actually formulating that. And I wanted to do a tactics breakdown as well tonight. But look, we've got the Arsenal game uh, in, in two days' time. And like, there's only so much time I can devote to the podcast as well. But one of the things that I did see from watching it back today was that Douglas Luiz uh, and Bubakar Camaro were playing in a double pivot. As we've been asking for it specifically in defence. They're playing in a double pivot. When we went forward, yeah. both of them actually pushed up into a more into a more um, flat midfield. Uh, when we went forward, specifically in the first half, but in the second half, when we were under the cash, we went back into the double pivot. We looked a small a bit more. Well, we looked stable. Yes, we couldn't really get on the ball much, but when we lost that double pivot, there was that canyon in the middle of midfield, and that's where West Ham were trying to work the ball into at uh, all the time. You know, yeah. And Declan Rice turned into Franz Beckenbauer again. Oh, yeah. Once that space was there for him, and look, we just can't buy a bit of luck. I think I open by saying that the, the, even even the Kanza gets something on the ball and it loops over Emmy Martinez into the net. Um, I think when something like that happens, I think you just throw your hands up and go, "Something has to give here. Something has to change." So it's tough. Yeah. It's tough, and it's not going to get any easier over the next week. Um, I'd like to be sitting here telling you how positive I am, but I certainly am not. 
I'm not even positive we're going to get players in or out of the door in time for, for Thursday night. So all we can do, I think, is hope and pray now at this stage. Well, we did get one player out today. Well, it hasn't been officially official from the club yet, but it seems to be pretty much all over the place coming from Dutch media that uh, Amor Gazi has gone to PSV for um for 2.5 million. Um, I suppose realistically, when you look at it in financial accounting terms, that's a real time saving of about about four, nearly five million. I suppose when you take into account yeah. wages and amortization. So look, I'm not saying that the club are penny pinching to that to that level of five million. But when you know you hear a lot of people talking about net spend at the moment, we're nearly a carbon neutral from a net spend point of view at this stage. You know, specifically with all the people who are gone out on loan and the savings and wages and things like that. So, um, I'm a bit more hopeful. I think we get players in. Look, they're not. We're not going to be signing, as you say. It won't be anyone of the, like, Franz Beckenbauer probably wouldn't even come to play for us at the moment. Um, but we won't be getting. Uh, I don't think we'll get massive, huge names. I think we'll get some squad fillers. And look, it's going to be a long time between now and the and the World Cup window. But we can only hope that someone can change it around because that club statement that everybody keeps on posting. Whenever Villa put up anything on social media, everyone keeps posting that club statement. Banner, it's not coming, lads. It's not coming this side. No, of, it's not this side no. of the World Cup window. Uh, unless <clears throat> our results continue to be as as bad as they have been. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not coming this side of the World Cup, but it's not coming this I, I side kind of the transfer window. The, yeah, I, like I, I would imagine, if we're in a perilous uh, situation by uh, by mid October, maybe I think then the you know the the big red button would be out. But like we we could be very easy looking at. Uh, five or six defeats on the bounce here, and that's the worrying thing. But you know, he he might he might come out and and put put a put a performance in in one of the next two games, and everything will be rosy in the garden. But I just can't see that happening. I don't think anybody can see that happening. Even the most optimistic of us is is a little bit yeah. flat now at the moment. I think so too. What we'll do, Paddy, is I suppose we've a lot to say about the game. You, you, I can hear it in your voice. This is as low as I think I've ever seen. I've I've ever heard heard you on the podcast. Um, but let's listen to a couple of the, of the voicemails. And I nearly did it again. A couple of the podcasts that people sent in. Couple, but it is. There are many podcasts that you guys have sent in to us. And I thank you all. I must say, I had to delete one or two of them that had voice that had um, emails on it. There was a Danny H. Love you. You actually had a, a really a really good voicemail. Um, unfortunately, I, I can't I can't share any any email addresses. But if you want to leave one in again, maybe next week I'd be more than happy to to um to read it out. Also, there was one or two from last week that I didn't quite get to. Um, they were just kind of a small bit out of date. So I do apologize to. There was someone called Ana Bashik was there as well. There was uh, the, I think Christopher Gonzalez. You sent one in last week as well. That I just didn't get to. I think they came in either too late because I went this I went on a different date than I said everybody. So I do apologize, but keep sending them in. Um, they are really appreciated. And let's listen to a couple of them here, and we can chat. I suppose a lot of them will bring up things that we want to chat about anyway about the game. So let me pop this up here, and let me get. Uh, oh, my backgrounds are all broken as well. It's just, it's just not working, is it? Backgrounds are broken and everything. Um, right. Let's start playing the first one that we have here, uh, which is from John Steele. First of all, I love this podcast. Um, I follow quite a few um, Villa podcasts. And I even follow a couple of Norwich ones since Dino left. Um, and this one is by far the best club podcast there is, which, you know, and, and because of that, I'm 
sorry uh, to be so negative, but where are the positives here? You know, the West, we don't have a divine right to go out and beat anybody, but we should at least look like we could beat somebody. You know, the first half, really good, um, but Moyes is a manager that can actually make substitutions, unlike or I, I have difficulty even calling him a manager. Um, look, how much time do we give this guy? You know, I'll give him a pre-season, it'll all be grand. How much time do we give him? You know, it, it's it's just not good enough. You know, there are managers out there that that could take us to the next level. Like people laugh when you say Pochettino that he'd never come to a club like Villa, but why not go out and try and get him? You know, Tottenham wouldn't be where they are without if it hadn't been for him. Um, we're next two games. We're going to be one win out of six games. You know, when do we pull the trigger on this guy? It, it just beggars belief. He's not a manager. You know, him, Arsene, my fee, and the rest of them just get out of the club. Yeah, look, um, definitely came in. Came in after the game yesterday. First of all, thank you so much for saying such lovely things about the podcast. Really appreciate that, John. Uh, that is uh, nice to hear in our time of need. Specifically at the moment, and look, uh, there is quite a lot of of talk about 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 Gerard, and I suppose kind of the feeling that he that, that is around him with regards to. I suppose I'm going to say it again, and 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 I've I've been pretty, I've been pretty um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, consistent in my thoughts here that I think there's been a couple of unforced errors from Stephen Gerrard that were fine that I know me personally the longer that they go on and it happened again at the weekend in it in in the the post match interview he said we got to roll up your sleeves I'm ready to do it I hope the players are as well like stop talking about the players in post match interviews you're driving everybody away. Like you're driving everybody away. That's the big. That's a big alienation piece, and it's been picked up on again. He don't doesn't need to say that. We have an awful lot to do. We need to roll up our sleeves now. We've got we've got a, uh, a couple of weeks to do it. And I'm more than uh, that. I know these the, the the players and us are more than capable of doing this because they're a great bunch of lads. That's all you have to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you have to say. Like, like how fucking hard is it? Like. <laughs> Well, I know I know things are turning bad when 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 the interview is getting on your nerves because you you generally just get over it. But yeah, yeah, he he's grinding on me for a long time, um, calling out players like that. I just don't think there's any need for it. So yeah, let's. Uh, I give a bad manager time to turn it around on the field from a performance and a tactics point of view. But the thing that's kind of that, like, and I'm not shouting Gerard out. I'm not okay. But I am showing frustration at the fact that, like, every single post-match, there's some n- sniper niggle. And you just, it's just an unforced error. It's an unforced error. That's what it is. And we don't need to do it. We don't need to do it. Things are things are bad enough to, without us getting results. But then you've got things like, how the hell Richard Keyes would know, I don't know. Well, maybe he might. Maybe he, maybe Andy Gray told him, maybe something like that. But Richard Keyes coming out today saying that, oh, it's not fun being at Villa Park and stuff like that. These things manifest because of sound bites like that that go yeah. that are halfway around the world before, and you can't take them back. And for me, it's an unforced error. Yes, we're going to get a kick in from the media because of the way we're playing at the moment. We're not playing well. And that's, that's a thing. That's something as well. But then when you've got somebody like, the strict father mentality and the tough love, and maybe that's what it is. And maybe maybe the club needs it. 
but we don't need it as fans. If that's what I'm struggling with at the minute. Maybe no. he's come in and seen what the actual problem is, and it's going to take him a long time to fix it. Maybe in some alternate universe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's come in and said, lads, there's a group of guys here that are nowhere near the standard uh, of professionalism. I don't know if that's the case. This is me playing devil's advocate. And maybe this is way, his way of doing it. But he's not bringing us as fans with him by doing that. If that makes sense. Because the results aren't coming. No. And, and you know, he, he, he didn't say it this weekend, but he, he said every week it's on him. It was on him again this week. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed at some of the players for not clapping the fans. I know, yeah. I know you, don't, you don't really buy into that. But as a fan, I think it's important that you acknowledge the support. I know they were booed at the end. You've got to take that and be like a man as well, and and yeah. man up and 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 give it give it a clap back to the to the fans. That let, let's face it, paid what an extra thirty percent on their season ticket this year, and and the cost of tickets individually have gone up as well. So uh, there's a lot of things grinding on people. So I think I think the players need to have a small bit of respect. Let's go on and let's listen to a couple more. I'm sure that a lot of this, uh, a lot of what we said, would be repeated, but. Um... Uh, here's one from Ash. Ash, this is a two-parter. We'll play both of Ash's first. Then, and yes, you ask in the middle of this, are you allowed to leave two? You can leave ten if you want, as long as they're coherent and make sense. <laughs> leave as many as you want. Here goes. Hi guys, um, this is a cool feature. I've been following the channel a little bit. Um, I'm with other people on the fact that I don't think Gerard is up for the job. Um, I don't necessarily think he should be sacked right this moment. Um, not unless someone like Pochettino can be grabbed up. But um, I think our actual issue is not defensively or necessarily in our strikers. It's obviously in our midfield, but I don't think it's necessarily the personnel for their qualities. I think it's actually to do with balance. So I would consider Ramsey and McGinn as ball carriers. Um, Ramsey's more of a dribbler, but Essentially, they're both ball carriers. They're not playmakers in the sense that, you know, they're not going to be smashing balls 20, 30, 40 yards into the final third right onto the peach of the foot. Mm. Um, I think that's something Coutinho can do. But I think he gets a little bit lost up the top of the pitch with a lack of pace, um, but especially at the end of the later games. Uh, oh, only 90 seconds. So um, I think... Um, we should drop Coutinho into an eight, protect him with Kamara and Louise, play Buendia on the right, play Bailey on the left where he statistically belongs, and Watkins up front. We need to drop this whole idea of Ings. He's too slow and he doesn't affect games and the occasional poach doesn't validate that formation. Hi guys, um, I hope it's okay to send a second one. If not, I guess just don't play this one. But um, I just wanted to send a second one since I didn't. There wasn't really enough time to justify my first one. Um, I just wanted to say that I think Coutinho in the Premier League state as it is now is he's too slow to truly affect the game uh, at that point of the pitch. Um, he is a dribbler. But by the time he gets into his stride, I think there's two, three people around him. He just gets blocked out and then he can't pick that pass through two, three players. Not many players can do that. Um, I think if we drop him to an eight, he can influence the game from the centre of the pitch without without the need of having to drop back and leaving empty spaces on the, the left or the right, as we saw against West Ham at the halftime picture. Um, I think 
he can play through balls and so on. Uh, McGinn is a ball carrier. He'll spin his ass and stuff like that, but he doesn't play those key through balls. Neither does Ramsey. He's more of a dribbler. I think the real issue with this team is that we're not finding a way to get Coutinho, Buendia, Watkins and Bailey in their best positions and in the same team. And I think dropping Coutinho into an eight and putting Buendia on the right, Bailey on the left, Watkins up front, Kamara and Luiz to protect, we'll be good to go. Paddy, what do you think of that? I suppose kind of a variation on the four-two-three-one with 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 Luis and and Kamara in there. Um, like, personally, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try. I'm, it I'm, because... I'm definitely willing to try it. Um, from from me, the best game uh, he had, and I keep going back to this, is is the Man City game last match of the season. I thought I thought he was absolutely excellent that day. He absolutely bossed that period that part of the pitch. They had two men around him. He kept them occupied, and he was a little bit deeper than usual. Now I know he got a flick on for one of the goals as well, didn't he? So it wasn't wasn't completely that, that he was uh, uh, more reserved. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in in that eight position um, and play Coutinho and Bailey out wide to to maybe support him, maybe maybe get a bit of ball off him. Um, it's hard to put a finger on where our problems are, but um, that's definitely one that we could try. But you know, I'm worried about Buendia. I'm worried about his future. Um, I, I would hate to see Buendia being uh, messed about in this system. So he has to be our priority. I know. I know we spent an awful lot of money and an awful lot of wages on on Coutinho. Buendia is much more consistent, and I think he's the most important person to find a place for in the team. He didn't have the best of games on uh, on Sunday. A uh, very congested area, struggle to get into it, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go all in on him because it, it certainly wasn't his fault. But uh, I I totally get what what he's saying there to 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 give a different role to um, Coutinho and see how he goes with it. I'll try anything, lads. If 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 you want to play with Robin Olsen as a <laughs> as as a number eight and see how it goes, try it. Yeah. I, I like. I think I, you can I, just. I think you can just tell that we're all clutching at straws here, just to try something different. Just try and get a tune out of somebody in a different but, position. But we can tell right. there's an awful, there seems to be an awful lot going on. That stuff that went on with Bailey's agent at the weekend. <sighs> when when Dia deleting his Instagram today, I know that really pissed you off, Neil. <laughs> no, I think oh, he's, he's the only smart man in the in in the in the whole dressing room if he's deleting Instagram everyone should but the, whole, the whole thing just waste the time the whole thing has descended into a circus for me and that's that's what has me completely down I just I just feel like at every turn at every message that comes out at every game we play there's just something else adding to it and I, I don't know I don't know if he's a strong enough character to overturn this I hope he is because I don't that's think the, I, don't, I don't believe that it should be all about changing managers all the time but if he's tactically inept, then that answers your question for you. But you know, I'm I'm not seeing any improvement under Steven Gerrard. We 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 have to consider what's happened with Michael Beale, um, Neil Critchley not going to Australia. There's so much at play here that's just leaving me scratching my head. So I'm not I'm not going I'm not going to say I want them sacked. I do, I don't want them sacked. I want them to succeed. I do want them to succeed. I don't like the circus he's brought to the club, but I would much prefer to turn this around with what we have 
I don't think we're going to get a tune out with Coutinho with any other manager at the helm. I just can't see it. So I, I just I could see Pochettino get a tune out of him. No, in fairness, <laughs> I don't know. I could. I could yeah. see Brendan Rodgers get a tune out of him playing playing him in the James Madison role. I think, but I I think what was uh, what was mentioned there about maybe like I think if you are to do that, we've spoken previously about people asking could Buendia play the eight. I think he like we've said before, you're bringing him into a very very small midfield. If you're going to play a flat flat three in midfield like that with a Buendia as an eight, now if you bring him in there again to play as 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 a you know, with the two with the two boys, Luis and uh, and Camara behind him, I think putting Coutinho in there. I think it's Coutinho. You have to move to that position because you can't just keep pushing Coutinho out to the wing. We need to get Coutinho the ball. And what I like about this is that if Coutinho gets the ball inside there, he could be one of those deep lining playmakers that could try and make plays from there. But we need. I think we need if we're playing Bailey and and uh, if we're playing Watkins up top on his own, I think you need the the pace of Buendia and Bailey up there. Um, and play them a small bit wider. And listen, if we're going to give away, like at the moment, our midfield is as passive as the day is long. If people just run straight through it, it's like a canal straight through our, our our midfield. So why not put Coutinho in there? It's not like we, it's not like we're making loads of tackles and loads of pressures and loads of blocks inside the midfield anyway. So have him yeah. in there when we're attacking. He can start the attack from deeper. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so know. Worth a try. Like we we've tried to pick a team. Week in, week out, and nothing has worked. He's he's more or less picked the teams that we've asked him to pick. It hasn't worked. I, I think that team in the first half last week with, with the two pivots there worked. It stopped West Ham playing through us. And the minute he took one of them away, we were in trouble. Yeah. So maybe he thought they were there for the taking. Yes, they were there for the taking, but we weren't we weren't uh, putting the, the, the plays together to, to take them on. So yeah. I, I I just I just felt if we'd have taken the nil all, taken the point and moved on from it, it may have stopped the, the rot. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing in game management. Danny H is next. Oh, Neil, mate. Uh, first off, love the pod. Been listening for a while and uh, great to see where you're taking it. Uh, long may that continue. One is to touch on the first half against West Ham and, and how reserved we were and sort of protecting the ball not having the fullbacks bomb on, keeping our shape, being that little bit more solid, albeit against the out-of-nick West Ham side. Um, I'm just trying to think, was that part of some sort of plan? Was that a directive from the gaffer to hold it together at the back a bit more? Was it to do with the fact that we had Louise, Boober in the team, missing Mings, sort of naturally stopping us from, from that sort of bomb-on style? Or could this be the players actually going against the manager and holding back a little bit um, in order to not leave themselves exposed? Because uh, I think we'll, we'll never know the answer to that. But the answer to that would shed a lot of light on what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and if it is the players that are starting to make these decisions, then this has got to be the beginning of the end for, for, for Gerard. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Once again, thanks for the work you and Paddy do and uh, all the best. Thanks very much, Danny. Really appreciate that. And thanks for the kind words. Um, you know what? I've said in this podcast as well before that if players have been sent out to do a job and they feel in game that it isn't the correct job and they need to change it, they need to have the balls to change it themselves and then go into the dressing room and face their manager and say, we changed it and it was for the better or we changed it it was for the worse. I, I don't think that I don't think clubs rise or fall because of that because specifically <clears throat> if they're one nil down 
there should be somebody who's able to go in and say, listen, we had to make this tactical change inside there. You weren't making it in the sideline. And I think that's okay to say. Now, with this one, I think I think Gerard did go out. Or, or, I think um, Douglas Deweese did kind of revert back to his kind of more cautious nature when he was in there. And I liked it. I liked it. It's just we did nothing up top once again. We did nothing up top when we resorted, even in the first half. We were, or specifically, should I say, in the second half, we just resorted to our fullbacks once more, and um, it it just it was like the, the I I think it was a bit of a mixture of both. I think the players just got, I don't know, was it complacent? Did they just not not see what was going on? Did they not want like there's nobody out there who wants to who seems to want to grab the ball by the scruff of the neck or the bull by the scruff of the neck or bull by the horns? That's what it is, <laughs> the bull by the horns and uh, and get it. And it's just very easy to pad your numbers and pass that ball out to Luke Dean and let him whip one into no one essentially. Um, which I think yeah. I. I'd like to and think I'd like to think it came from it came from the sideline, but as you say, yeah, we never know. We, we we have this argument off air all the time, and I can assure people that in this multi-million uh, wage industry, a player does not go out and play against the manager's wishes. It doesn't happen. I I would put my house on it that it doesn't happen. You can't take that risk because you get bombed out. You see players going rogue and they get and they don't get don't see game time for weeks after it. It doesn't happen. I think he sent them out reserved. I think he sent them out as I said last week. He sent the team out properly prepared. He just could not. He could not get a tune once he made the changes and he made the wrong changes. Yeah, let's move on to morning here. Uh, I, I've listened to this one. Um, I've listened to all of them. Well, Patty, I'm lost. We're lost. I don't know what the hell we do. How we go on from here. Paddy, solve this for us, man. <laughs> Save the club. I'm usually I'm usually on the bright side of things. Like uh, I tweeted last May, I think it was, and I said, let's hold off our opinions on Gerard. And give him his time, and then we'll reevaluate him this time next year, being May 2023. Fucking hell, man. I'm four games in, and I'm, I wish I could take that tweet back. That dude is certainly doing something wrong for these quality players to be just going out there and shit in the bed week in and week out against teams that we should be getting the result on. It's a damn shame. Patty, what the fuck do we do, man? <laughs> Tell me. All on you, Patty. Yours All on me. Well, but on your we, we, I have my ideas, but uh, look, um, <laughs> you you as an Aston Villa fan are more than capable of taking back that tweet if you want to take back that tweet. That's <laughs> your prerogative. We can be as fickle as we like. Yeah. I, I just don't know where we go from here. And the reason I don't know where we go from here is that we're, what, three days and three days and an hour away from the, the transfer window slamming shut. Oh, Jim gonna... oh, shite. Is it the first of September closes? And that's that Thursday Wednesday. night. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday night. So that that's what has me flat. There's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's nobody saying there's there's a there's a. 
there's three players coming in, which we definitely need. We need three players. We definitely need a centre half. We definitely need a midfielder, if not two midfielders, and possibly a striker, a big striker. Um, but that's that's just my opinion. But, but if we're going to be stuck at the end of this um, with very little centre-halves, I, I don't see how we can change things up. Like, I think ideally, if he, if he wants to play the way he's playing, <clears throat> we, we are going to have to play with three full-backs or three yeah. centre-halves or we're going to have to drop Bubakar Kamara into that position when they go forward, like we did the last day. And, and that has to be the way forward. But the way forward is we need to spend money in the next three days. The checkbook has to come out. There has to be a moment where we see a tweet coming out from Aston Villa and they're scratching their head going, where did that come from? That has to come three times in the next three days or we're in trouble. We are in big trouble because we can't change this till till January. So January is not the best time to be buying players. Neither is three days before the transfer window. Now, I'm, I'm only speculating, but they have to have something in the pipeline. Paddy, Hold your thoughts for that in a moment. If I remember rightly, there's a there's a voicemail coming up that we may be able to talk a small bit more because there's a really good point made in a voicemail coming up. So uh, we'll we'll dig into that. I can't remember if it's this one though. Hi now, hi Paddy. Um, I think it's time he's he's got to go. The chopping block needs to come out. Looking at that on uh, Sunday was awful. I mean, first half we controlled the game but did nothing with it. And then the second half, we're trying to cross in the air when we haven't got a big man and we're against a team of giants. He's evidently tactically inept. It's just, it's it's screaming now. And the one thing he did have in his favour was this pull of players. But you can't tell me if you're a player coming in and you've seen that, you want to join. And also, last month, nothing's come in. So... Is that pull even there now? I don't know, but I think it's time uh, time to have a search about on the for a new manager because he's evidently not the one. I mean, he's definitely not a decent enough coach. You can see that from really his resume. He's done, what, 12 months at youth level and then gone to Scotland, which is, well... If you're one of those, one of Rangers or Celtic, you've got half a chance anyway, haven't you? So, yeah, I think he's got to go. All right. Bye-bye. Come on, Ben. Thanks a million for, for ringing in. Uh, always, I'd say, listening to the podcast since day one. Um, uh, thank you. As I say, we, we've covered a lot of what you said there as well. And I do apologize. Like, as I say, we want we want to we want to talk we'll talk about every voicemail, but sometimes we've already gotten to some of the points yeah. before the voicemail comes up. But thank you so much uh, for, for ringing in. I've just remembered that that voicemail that I was referring to, uh, Paddy, was one of the two that I had to delete. It was either from, De- I think his name was Des McKeown or it was from, from a Danny H. But I'm going to tell you what it was here. And he listed off the teams that were around us last season. That have either that either have that that number eight that can uh, grab the the game by the by the scruff of the neck, or have gone out and bought one specifically this summer. So there have been players out there this summer. Yes, they've cost 30, 40, 50 million. But he went out and he, he named them. He said Bruno Gomares moved to moved to um, Newcastle uh, in January last season. Uh, Paqueta gone to uh, West Ham. Tielemans uh, at Leicester. Um, he named a couple of more as well. And I think that that's. And he made a really good point that you could like 
our center halves will do a job for us. And there's worse center half pairings in this league that can be they can be coached up. And yes, we can we can keep our fullbacks back, but our midfield is very much a case of we either have to have somebody tackling the whole time or else we're we're searching for a combination. And we have been even under Dean Smith in midfield. And and he made a very good point that that, that proper number eight would could potentially transform this whole team because it would give us a bit more stability in midfield. And do you think, Paddy, that like I, I'm nearly coming to this to the to the to the stage at the moment whereby yes, if we get a Bednarek in alone, or we get a Craig Dawson in for two million or whatever it was that's been uh, been been muted. I think that's okay. It fills a it fills a gap in our centre half uh, in our centre half position if we are going to get Diego Carlos back. But I think money does need to be spent further up the field now. The more I'm thinking about it, because um. And like you, Paddy, I've been saying it for almost the, almost the calendar year now. Three at the back might be the way to solve a lot of our defensive issues anyway, because we can't keep clean sheets. Yeah. Um, an awful lot of valid points, you know, but I think the overriding emotion from everybody is that he's got to go. I just can't see it. I, I don't know how many times I've got to say it. I'm not, I'm not being, I, I, I don't want to say I've got any insider knowledge. I'm just, I'm just talking from the heart here. We've we've invested an awful lot in this project. I just cannot see them pulling the trigger, unless it gets ultra toxic and we we go those games with, without a win. I just can't see any way he's going to do it. But look, you you mentioned a the player there, Tielemans. If Leicester if Leicester are having a fire sale, why are we not paying forty million for Tielemans or thirty five million or whatever whatever he's going for? Because he would change us completely. Absolutely, he he is the kind of player I'd like to see come in. Whether he's available or not, I don't know. But look, that that that's an option to go and change the game. You mentioned the two centre halves. I'd rather Bednarek. That's just my opinion. If he's coming in, get it done, get it over the line before uh, before Wednesday, and have him sitting on the bench because uh, we could probably do a three at the back on Wednesday with two sitting in front. <laughs> mm. Um, next one here is from Stephen O'Leary. Let's take a li- listen to this. Hi, guys. Um, obviously, it's very doom and gloom around Aston Villa at the moment, in particular on uh, Twitter. My timeline sees me full of nothing but negative tweets, which I'm guilty of myself. But I suppose my question is uh, do you think it's completely justified, or is there a small bit of Villa fans' um, expectations being slightly too high for? Club really. Um, I remember I think it was on the overlap by Keane and Gary Neville when Roy Keane got Sunderland promoted and he kept them up I think in his first season he said that at the time he expected them to go on and finish the table but in hindsight he should have been just trying to keep them in the league for the next three or four seasons. Um, do you think that's kind of where we should be at or is it fair enough to expect us to be a top 10, top 18 in our third or fourth season back in the league. Thanks, guys. Just, just this first point there about about it being toxic, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. That that's your prerogative. If somebody wants to be too high, let them be too high. If someone wants to be very low, let them be low. We're all suffering in this together. Mm. The, the the only the only positive has to be is if you're there at the match while the match is ongoing, get behind the fucking team. Just get behind the team. Just show them that there's support there. Like I mean, there's there's the bones of forty thousand 
Aston Villa fans there. It was seemed to be very quiet at the weekend. I didn't talk to anyone at the match. It, I've it, was, supposed, it was actually pretty raucous. That's that's. I, I, there was really to be very very positive up until maybe the last yeah. five minutes, and even the West Ham fans online were saying the same thing. They said it was a bang on atmosphere, and mm. yeah, they referenced that there was booze at the end, but they said that yeah. you know it was it was a great away day apparently. I, I've I've completely tuned out since the game because. Yeah. I'm likely to say anything on Twitter as well if, if I'm feeling <laughs> that way, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do that because, um, I, I, that's just not what I do. But I think I think the time has come where it's it's shit or get off the pot. He, in my opinion, he's going to get another ten games at least. We were going to be looking at this in the middle of August. Um, I I I don't see any benefit in changing it right now, three days before the transfer window ends. And someone's got to come in and decide whether we keep Freddie Gilbert, whether we keep Sanson, whether we keep El Ghazi, whether we sell Buendia. I, I don't know. I don't know what those decisions are, but they need to be made in the next three days. So we're going to have to trust the process, I would think, for the next six weeks, which is probably, what, about 10 games. And then I reckon there's a decision to be made. Because if we're if we're anywhere below 16th, I think I think a decision will be made um, come the middle of October after that international break. I think a point that Stephen made there about you know do we need to readjust our our expectations? Um, like remember we did our our preseason podcast and and, and at the time you know hey, <laughs> I'm the I'm the most positive man in the world. But ju- just I suppose the, the, remember the exercise we did of I wrote down how many wins we'd have, how many draws we'd have, how many losses we'd have going yeah. on each individual game. And I think I came up with something like 68 points or something that would have been our highest ever points in the Premier League. But you see, when you take each individual game like that, and, and you know, each game can be won. Like, we could we could go out and beat Arsenal and Man City. It's highly unlikely, but we could. Um, but I suppose we probably do, and we think we even mentioned it as well, that I was kind of reluctant to say even top half of the table. And I think I went with ninth for a finish. And look, ninth is still achievable, lads. Ninth is still very achievable, you know. Uh, mm. But at the, uh, you know, if you were to ask me four weeks ago, I would have said ninth would have been what I would have settled for. But I would have been thinking we could have pushed on to the top seven. Now, what we're looking at is, who knows? Um, no, we're, no, what we're looking at is is, is who knows. But um, it's a good points there, Stephen. I suppose as well about you know, uh, I like Europe does look a bit far away at this moment in time, and I think it's okay to say that. You know, I think it's okay to say that. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, here we go, Christopher. Hello, villains. Been pretty positive on here the past few weeks. Feeling a little bit less positive these days. I was a little uncomfortable about jumping on the bandwagon of the Gerard out stuff, mostly because there's a lot of those same people were very happy with Gerard in his first few weeks. Um, I don't think they're fickle. I think they're kind of dumb. I think that they they list they see good result and they're like that was great. They see a bad result and they go that was the worst thing ever and we're all gonna die. Uh, so I just uh, was a little careful about jumping on those bandwagons. But what I can say is don't think things are going well. I think that Jared may be out of his depth. Um, maybe we do need to change if things don't kind of turn around in the past few weeks, the next few weeks. Excuse me. Um, Arsenal City, probably not the best place to go to when you're struggling. But, you know, we never know. Maybe he can turn it around. Uh, so I don't really have a lot of positivity other than, um, hey, things could be worse. Could be 2016. Um, 
So maybe that's a positive. See you guys. <laughs> it could be 2016. It absolutely. Well, I think that's what everybody's worried about. Yeah. That, and that's why everything is so negative. And I, I, I think what, what have we got? One game left in August. I think I, I said we'd have nine points. Did I? Definitely six. <laughs> well, we have to beat Man City and Arsenal. Uh, well, Man City is in September. Yeah, yeah Man City is about. in September. But, uh, just about. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ben, second one, uh, second uh, one of the night is here. We've got a couple more before I go. Uh, just another thing, because well, I'm I'm not over. Yesterday, when was the last time we saw Villa counter attack? There was at least two or three opportunities, and no one is bursting out. Of defence, I mean, it's a, th- a counter attack. You've got a two on three. It's a brilliant way of scoring. I think it's the best way of football. But it looks like it's been told, no, don't release that ball early and get up there and try and get a goal. The way they just sluggish on the transition, yep, is awful. Anyway, goodbye. I agree with that. I agree that there are fast players in the team. And when you see we had a breakaway goal uh, where Camaro won the ball back against Everton, Buendia's goal, and we broke quickly and we got and we had players running across centre halves. And yes, Everton were no they were no oil painting that day, but we had we we broke properly that day. We can't seem to break now because we either don't have players in the right positions. Like you just look at where all our players' average positions are. We're like if we are breaking, we have to almost manufacture the ball over to the left because that's where everybody's standing. Like I've been, I've been saying that since God knows how long. Since I, I think nearly every game I would imagine in twenty twenty two, I've made reference to the fact that there's three players standing on top of each other on that left hand side of the field, and I'm just delighted that people were showing those those maps, those average position maps. So I think that is a lot of hindrance, and um, you know, and a lot of people are talking about it now about the fact that. Uh, uh, Ings and Watkins standing on top of each other, Coutinho and Dina uh, and McGinn all standing on top of each other out there. And that's our big problem. You can't really break when your own players are in your way. Um, and, and for me, it's it's a killer. And we saw it in the Everton game that that we won. Jacob Ramsey made a couple of great runs. There's people getting in his way. You know, he, yeah. in, in the first few minutes, he made a couple of great runs down the wing. And you got people getting in front of him. Like, and you're going, what the hell is going on here? And and we were doing this under like we were doing this with uh, last year as well, you know, like we were doing this under McBeal too. It's so I, I'm just not sure what's happening with it. Whether we just have all players that are comfortable playing out there, I've no idea. But to me, it's frustrating, and uh, it's it's as plain as the nose in your face. Like it's that obvious that uh, that that it's happening in game. But I don't know why it's happening. I don't know why it's happening. Um, Paddy, did you say you need to be gone? Because <laughs> if you need to drop off, you can drop off. I do need to go. I, I will yeah. leave you to it. Excellent. Thanks William, for dropping on. A round of applause for Paddy, everybody. Do you know what you can do to make Paddy sleep well tonight? Give us a thumbs up There's on the podcast. I'll, uh, I'll go through the rest of these uh, and uh, we let Paddy go. Uh, Paddy, Cheers, we might see you tomorrow for the, for the preview game. For the preview of the Arsenal up game. Up the villa. Up the villa, indeed. Uh, we're going to go next to uh, Balg McTavish. A fantastic name, by the way. Hi Neil, hi Paddy, Bolg here, aka Bolg the Villain from out of your comments. Uh, love your show, love your content, always look forward to it coming out. Really appreciate the efforts you've been making, putting out good stuff recently. Helps us get through the week, doesn't it? Um, particularly after a loss, 
I find very therapeutic. So, got to thank you for that. Um, I don't want to go over yesterday's game. I'm sure lots of people will have done that already. Just thinking, my own feeling is that we're kind of at a crossroads now. It felt like something changed yesterday in our fortunes, and I think the club need to have to make a decision. I wonder what your opinion is on that. Judging by social media, the vast majority of fans, well, all the noise is kind of Gerard out, isn't it, really? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know where we go right now. I don't feel we have an identity or a plan. Although I still sort of kind of feel like I want to give Jared more time. So what do you reckon, guys? Uh, not going to too many games this season. Lucky me. I just can't afford it. But I'm going to the Arsenal. I'm taking my lad. He's not long turned 18. Uh, he's just passed his A-level. So we're going to have a good day out celebrating anyway in football world. We're doing that. Up the Villa boys. Love it. Excellent. And congratulations to your to your young fella uh, passing these A-levels. And uh, yeah, as I said, you know what, that, that's that's the kind of a message there, you know, not going to too many games, price of the game's gone up, but you're going with your kid and you're going to have a great day regardless of the result. Look, at the end of the day, football isn't just, you know, it's, it is everything, but at the end of the day, it's the least important. What was it that Klopp said? It's the least important everything or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but he, he stole that that phrase from someone um uh, but that that puts it into into perspective you know um when you said you know that there's something probably needs to be done i, I don't see gerard getting the bullet this week next week man city week I, I i don't i don't see it i think i think there's a like like the big problem here is that the standard was set or the the phrase that will come back and and i'm 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 going to put my colors to pay my colors to the mask here i'm not a perslow out guy either i think perslow is there for a bigger project, and I think he's he's he brings more to the club from that point of view. Anyone else can have their own opinion at the moment. Yes, he hired Stephen Gerrard. That's fine. That's 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 a, a black mark on his copybook for sure. But I think what uh, from the overall project and from the um, from building the club because you do need somebody to be able to build the club in that CEO position as well. But he did he has said one or two things recently, specifically the Dean Smith piece where he said continuous improvement. And for me, that's where we now have a different standard of somebody being held to a different standard than Dean Smith was. And I can understandably, I can uh, understandably feel why people are are, are angry at Perslow for for that. Um, but I think that uh, one of the big things as well is that uh, where have we, um, where have we with a great great. Uh, Post there from AVC agent Jared. He said, since promotion, we've spent more on Wesley than our central midfield. Huge problem. You can't progress the side without a core. And McGinn is not a top half midfielder. That's absolutely true. You know, we're talking about a, a, a midfield that's too passive since since the days of Dean Smith. Since, like, we brought in Ross Barkley on, a, on, a, on loan. We've brought in Sanson for 14 million. And we've brought in, since promotion, we've brought in. Is that it? Am I missing anyone, guys? Jacob Ramsey, Academy Product. Bubakar Kamara, free. Ashley Young, arguably, he's played in there. There's a point in that, that the number eight position we've been crying out for. We've been crying out, and, and the midfield is stale. I think that's fair to say. Bubakar Kamara is, is our only positive at the moment. I thought he was really good at the weekend again. Um, but I, I think it is, and, and Luis was pretty good, but I do think our midfield is stale. 
That is a great point. Great point, ABC agent Gerard. Um, let's get on to our last two here because I'm sure you guys want to go. I think the video viewer are at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys are in for <laughs> want to go and watch Dan and, and, and Chris there as well. So uh, we'll try and get uh, the last two in here and um, and let you guys uh, off to, to watch that as well. Hello, Neil. Hello, Paddy, if you're in. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be around to watch this tonight, but I shall watch it back. Um, basically, I've got a question rather than a statement. I love your, I'd love to hear your guys' views on whether or not, if SG gets the push, do you believe that Critchley could step up and implement his own style of football on the team, being a proven English league manager, and also give stability to the players by at least having a purpose, whether or not it's the formation and the tactics that we end up using down the road. Just for now, having that stability, do you reckon that's something that Critchley, you know, and his older head and his, his coaching pedigree, do you believe that's something that this team needs at the moment? Um, and do you believe that, could it be that our owners actually bought Critchley in as an insurance policy for this very reason? Because Stephen Gerrard was an unknown quantity. He was a risk for both of us. Um, we were a risk for him and he was a risk for us. So, there's, you know, there might be a bit of validity in that. Um, but I, I, my personal opinion is that I see him at some point taking over. And even if that's only interim manager, I think if he does a good job, I can see him doing good things at the club. But again... This is all pointing the sky at the moment. But thanks again, guys. I think both your messages have different questions in them. But what I'll do is I'll answer that one first. When we spoke to the guys from Blackpool, they mentioned that the Critchley, um, Critchley was more of a developer of young players, or he was a developer of players in an individual basis. And sometimes he found it difficult to, um, to implement specifically defensive game plans. Now, Mike Beale was never known as a defensive mastermind either, but. Um, Critchley, I think they brought who was it that, that he brought in? I, I'm open to correction on this. I think it might have been Colin Calderwood, former Villa player. I think Critchley had him with him at I, I'm open to correction on that. I could have the wrong one, um, the wrong person, but I think he brought him in to help out with the defensive structure at Blackpool, and they actually started to get to get a better defensive structure when he came in. But Critchley is a coach, Critchley would have worked with uh, worked in the um. Liverpool set up with Steven Gerrard, so they would be familiar with each other from there. I think Critchley was very much a Steven Gerrard signing as opposed to a board signing. Um, I don't think the board paired him up with Steven Gerrard. I think he was allowed to go and pick his number two, which I think every single manager should be allowed to do. I, like whether, whether the manager is the right man to be there in the first place or whatever, I think he should be able to bring in his own staff and, and one people that he can work with because pairing up and mixed you know, mixing up um, a, a person from that you think might be good with somebody else may, may never work, you know, may never work. But um, uh, I, I think Neil Critch, like Neil Critchley is only there a wet week essentially as well. So um, that's probably another thing that might buy Stephen Gerrard sometime. Um, over the course of, of the next few weeks, and look, we're all sitting here, and I know everybody here who's who's who is is very down in the manager at the moment. Like we're not getting the results we deserve, and that is one hundred percent sure. And it's up to him to fix this. But if somehow he does fix this, I think everybody would still be delighted to say, "Look, 
yeah, we had to go through this, but we wish we didn't have to go through this. We wish he could have he could have fixed it earlier. Uh, but all signs are pointing at the moment in the historical play that we've had under him is that things are not changing. And if they are changing, they're changing unbelievably slowly. And we want to see this expedited a small bit now because time, we've had time, we've had a preseason, and now we're into this season again and we're seeing the same things from last season. So um whether but you could be right with regards to your Neil Critchley could be in the dugout. Um Managing a game for Aston Villa at some stage this season, uh, I would imagine you would keep some sort of stability while there would be an intern for somebody else coming in because it's very rare that a manager goes and another manager comes directly in the door um, straight away afterwards. You know, there's always, well, not always, but there's there's likely, specifically with the truncated season now, um, with the World Cup break, there's a lot of mid, mid, midweek games and stuff like that coming up. So, um, yes, it could, it, it could be a situation that that happens. Um and last one for British Mick. Sorry, just one more thing I forgot to mention really quick. Um, do you also think that our upcoming game against Arsenal would be a very good opportunity forced on Gerard to make a change to the formation? Because I doubt very much I mean it's literally going to be suicide if we try and play the way that we have been playing against Arsenal. Maybe reverting to a four four two or some kind of more defensive formation and just getting the players to sit deeper and maybe using the long ball and utilising the long ball. I don't know, but maybe this is an opportunity that may cause Steven Gerrard to stumble across a new formation. Who knows? I missed part of that. I don't know if the audio jumped for some of you guys in the middle. I'm just going to go back to maybe about 10 seconds in there because I missed a good portion of that, so apologies. Gerrard, to make a change to the formation because no, we'll I think go back. that our upcoming game against Arsenal would be a very good opportunity forced on Gerard to make a change to the formation because I doubt very much, I mean, it's literally going to be suicide if we try and play the way that we have been playing against Arsenal. Maybe reverting to a 4-4-2 or some kind of more defensive formation and just getting the players to sit deeper and maybe using the long ball and utilising the long ball. I don't know, but maybe this is an opportunity that may cause Steven Gerrard to stumble across a new formation. Who knows? Um, yeah, invoke. So, like, I'm, I don't care how we get results. We um, we can invoke the spirit of the great Jack Charlton and the Irish football team of 1990 and go long ball. Uh, yeah, absolutely, but we, we would need a bit of height. We got rid of Keenan Davis. Keenan Davis could have been the man for that. But um, I, I met the situation, as you said beforehand, I, I don't care what we play. I don't care what we play as long as it starts to get results and then we start to see something different on the field because um, it's it, that that's a lot of the frustration I think with people is, yeah, some days we're playing with Watkins and Ings, some days we're playing with Coutinho and Bailey, but realistically what's happened is we're all still crowding each other out in the exact same areas of the field. So regardless of the personnel, we all get full of, 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 of wonderment going, oh, is he trying something different? And then when we look at the average positions of players and we see it on the field, we're still bottlenecking ourselves throughout the field. So listen, if we want to play eight behind the ball and attack with three or, or nine or what, seven behind the ball and attack with three, but just go along. Um, kind of. I I'm at the stage whereby if it starts to get results and it starts to right the ship, um, I'm okay with regards to, to at this moment in time until we stumble upon a formula that's more, um, I suppose the 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 uh translates more to more consistency within the team. But um, from 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 my point of view, uh, as I say, I I'm I'm struggling to see any uh different ideas uh, on a week to week basis, and uh, but. 
due to my positive disposition, I will still go up my team sheet tantrums and I will try and think that something is going to change because that's how I support Aston Villa. I'm blind and all as it is. Um, but yeah, as I say, I'm not seeing it quick enough for my liking. I will be honest, I'm not seeing it quick enough. And nor are you guys, um, I'm sure of that. So, um, thanks very much for that, guys. That's really good. Um, I really appreciate it, all, all the voicemails um, that you guys have sent in. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, really nice to listen to them and to listen to the thought processes because sometimes when you see comments, I'm the worst in the world to pick up nuance from comments in, in the comments. Uh, so sometimes someone might put in a great comment, I might read it incorrectly and I might think it's a weird comment and I might not say anything back to it. So I do apologize. So sometimes I've, <laughs> I've seen myself when I've watched the podcast back read something incorrectly and pick up the wrong end of the stick from people. So where well, you can't really do that in voicemails because you can hear the inference and the voice inflection and so on. So really appreciate that, guys. And you know what? We're four weeks in and we haven't had anyone go absolutely nuts in the voicemail so far. So that just goes to show that you guys are a sound bunch of lads. So thanks very much for that. We will be back again tomorrow with uh, any breaking transfer news, obviously. Uh, I don't expect there to be any. I would expect us to go probably... I, I, I expect Thursday to be busy once again my blind faith probably and my hopeless optimism and the fact that I'm a hopeless romantic. I would expect it to be busy, but who knows? Um, Thursday, that is. Yeah, did I say Wednesday? Thursday, I would expect Thursday to be busy. And do you know why Thursday is going to be busy? Because I thought it was going to be Wednesday and I can't do a podcast on Thursday. So you can be damn sure between 6 and 10 when I can't do the podcast, you damn sure Villa are going to sign five players. And I'll be, I won't even be able to access my phone for that period of time. So you can imagine, I'll be like, I'd be scratching away like someone trying to get off heroin inside, waiting to get to my phone afterwards to see if Villa did any damage in the transfer market. So uh, spare a thought for me. Spare a thought for me on, on Thursday. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. I'm going to let you go. It's nearly 10 o'clock. I really appreciate it. Hit that like button. I really appreciate you guys doing that too. It, uh, it just, I don't know what it does for the algorithm, but apparently it loves it and it gets our name out there as well. Um, hope you've enjoyed tonight. Hope that the weekend is getting a small bit easier. On to Arsenal. Fingers crossed. We'll be back with a preview tomorrow. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And until next time, all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.